Jersey on in the meantime and press play when the F's done I can't wait until the next day trying to stay in tune with the C's that's the best way hey there welcome back to the Lockdown Celtics podcast thank you for making the show part of your daily routine normally I'm here for you Monday through Friday but this week three episodes this week I did one Monday today and then Friday as we wrap up our deep dive into the Brad Stevens era I'm John Corrales I cover the team for Boston Sports Journal I host the show Generally, again, on a Monday through Friday basis, which next week, when the preseason begins, I'll be back to doing five days a week. But for now, we're getting into the final two episodes of the Brad Stevens deep dive with Chuck McKenney and Mike Dinan, and now the aftermath of the Kyrie era. That Kyrie said, out of nowhere, yeah, I called LeBron. I told him, like, yeah, I see what you're saying. I I get, I get like leading is not that all that easy, which is such a kind of backhanded douchey thing to say, because now he, first of all, he puts himself on the bronze level and he's, he's slapping everyone in that locker room in the face by saying, yeah, man, I called LeBron to tell him I have my, I'm having a hard time leading these guys too. Like what? So that was, I'm sure, I'm sure that Brad wanted to do things differently. I cannot confirm this, uh, but I firmly believe this, that Danny was in that, look, we need to sign, re-sign Kyrie. We need to make sure we bring him back. This is the key to winning a championship moving forward. And Brad's like, uh, he's screwing everything up. I need to do something. And And Danny's like, just... Just give it a little time. Let's just get through it. Let's just re-sign it, and then we can figure it out. I fully, wholeheartedly believe that at some level of that kind of conversation transpired between those two. And I'll tell you why I believe that. Because the next season, after Kyrie left, Brad Stevens comes into media day, and we asked him, you know, what did you learn uh, about you know, from last season, what did you learn from last season? And he said something like, I learned that everything I believed to, to be true about basketball was true. And he said like something like that. And it was very clear that he's saying, I wanted to do things differently. We bent because of Kyrie and it all fell apart. And I knew I shouldn't have done it, but I did it anyway. And now I'm not going to do that anymore. Yeah, I would like to ask you a question, John, since you're sure. there. there. Um, how did we get – I'm still not clear on how we got from Kyrie saying, I'll re-sign I'll if you'll have me, to a year plus later, he's conspiring with Kevin Durant at the All-Star game to go to Brooklyn. What changed? Yeah. 
What that, drastically changed? So Kyrie's version of what changed is that he said that his grandfather died and that reshaped his priorities. And suddenly things that he once believed to be important were no longer important. I I don't know if that, I, 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 that I don't know. I, I mean, what can I, I can't sit here and say that that's not true because I haven't talked to Kyrie. So I'm sure some level of that is true. He wanted to go back home. He wanted to be closer to home. He was done with the Boston to New York to New Jersey thing, whatever. I'm sure some level of that is true. But also I'm sure some level of it is that Kyrie didn't like some of the things that were in in place in Boston. He didn't like that. He didn't make, he didn't make the choice that he wanted to make his own choice. He didn't want to be traded to a team. He wanted to be able to say, I'm making a choice for me to go to a team. And for that team, by signing him, saying like, okay, we are handing the keys of the the franchise over to you, that he may not have had all of that. So I I certainly believe that some of that that stuff with his – his family and, and, and changing his priorities. I, I certainly believe that some of that is there, but I do believe also that this is basketball stuff that once things started to go bad in Boston and he realized he couldn't do the things that he thought he could do with the Celtics, then he decided that he had enough and he wanted to go. Look, we, we, we do have to keep in mind that Kyrie, Kyrie switching teams is a constant thing throughout his career. He switched high schools. He's, you know, he only went to Duke for one year. He goes to Cleveland. He sw- he, he asks out of Cleveland. He goes to Boston. He has these, these like stretches of, okay, I'm happy here. Now I'm not happy here anymore. And I would not be surprised if in two years he says, I'm not happy in Brooklyn anymore. I want something else. That's just part of Kyrie's MO. We're going to continue the conversation after I tell you about our sponsors. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows. Then you're watching the highlights on your phone and your neighbor's best friend's login gets you the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes, no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion. Get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Have you subscribed to the Locked On Celtics podcast yet? You can wherever podcasts exist, and you can follow us on Spotify. Yeah, I can see that. Um, it just came to me that in retrospect, when he said it's going to be crazy, G, he was right, but it wasn't the way we started it. <laughs> Not the way it was supposed to be. Uh-huh. Yeah. That that whole, that whole scenario was... Um, that entire thing devolved to a point. I mean, the the New York 
press conference, that, you know, that whole thing, all of a sudden, you know, you, I had this feeling of like, you know, maybe, you know, Danny Ainge was saying all the same things. Uh, he was saying the right things. The, the, the wedding date is still on, like all of that stuff. And I was like, oh, you know, maybe it is. I, you have no idea what he and Durant were talking about. Turns out the people who said that they were conspiring, they were right. They were actually conspiring uh, at that point. And when he came back, he really his, – his attitude towards basketball, towards us, really, really turned quickly. Because at the beginning, the first year he was there, the – or even earlier that season, he, he seemed okay. But the, he he – really turned and soured and I, I just don't think I just don't think they had they they had any plan other than let's just let's just try giving him everything that he wants and hopefully he feels comfortable enough staying here and it didn't work so I mean he, he's not the first guy to lash out the at the media but I think what we witnessed was he's a terrible communicator he would say things and then in turn get upset at that reporting that was accurate. Like he's just one of those guys that I think doesn't understand even the words that are coming out of his mouth. He's also a word salad guy, but he would just yeah. lash out um, just to lash out. And, and it was just, it, it just was he, you know, between body language and the things he said and the way he led. Um, I mean, I was on, I was team Kyrie the whole way. I was like, this is just part of the, you gotta, you gotta kiss the ass. This is part of the, this is the nature of the game. You gotta, this is what you gotta do. You gotta appease the superstar because you need the superstar to get to, to, you know, to get the title. But, you know, and then that playoff series with Milwaukee, he was just like, just watching him play, jacking up shots. That was brutal. You know, we're going to be fine because I'm here. And then he played horrible calling off defensive rotation so he could guard Giannis. Like, right. I mean, it was just the worst of the worst coupled with, and it's not like his play was, was, uh, you know, in that Milwaukee series was anything to write home about. It, 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 he just was, he, he really was the worst of the worst. And, and you, you said it, like fascinating guy, charitable guy, social justice guy. Like he does a lot of good things. You know, I'm not here to attack his character, but him as a basketball player and a leader in, in that year and a half he was in Boston was just was just um yeah, I don't even know what's the right word. He 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 was just he was just sour and it, it was yeah. almost rotten. And I could see him infecting, you know, if you had to choose sides, I don't know how you could choose Team Kyrie and that whole thing. Yeah, I here's here my I had this kind of epiphany when Tristan Thompson came in and, and called the regular season horseshit last year. Um, it hit me that these guys, Kyrie and Thompson learned how the playoffs work, how the regular season works, how winning works from LeBron and the rules don't apply to LeBron because LeBron can do all of the things that they were saying. He, LeBron could say the regular season is horseshit and be right because when LeBron flips a switch, he actually has a, fl a switch to flip. And he's like, oh, yeah, uh, I was coasting. Now we've got 
two weeks and three games to make up for the top seed, no problem. Boom. He becomes, you know, godlike and they go on a big winning streak and he carries it through the playoffs. And but Kyrie and Tristan Thompson playing alongside him go, oh, okay, that's how this works. That's how you do it. You coast, you turn it on, and then we're fine. There are two the two distinct things that happened in the two most disappointing seasons in the Brad Stevens era, that 2018-19 season and this past season, there was those two guys were on each team. One of those LeBron disciples was on each team, and they each came in and said, hey, we'll be fine once we get to the playoffs. Don't worry about the regular season. It's okay. All we need to do is be healthy and be good when we get to the when we get to the playoffs. And they weren't healthy and they weren't good. And after the season, I remember sitting there in Milwaukee asking Brad Stevens about it. And he talked about championship habits. He must have said championship habits a hundred times in that series. And the Celtics never built those habits because the most prominent voices in the room, Kyrie, then Tristan Thompson this past year, are like, hey guys, yeah, don't worry about this thing that just happened. We know we kind of sucked, but just brush it off. Just get ready for the playoffs. We're going to be okay. And there's no LeBron to back that up. There was no LeBron on that team. There's no LeBron on this team. There's no LeBron on any team except for LeBron's team. And that, I think, is a pervasive kind of thing that I I think Brooklyn is going to be fine because they still have Harden and, and Durant. But the Kyrie belief that, I know what it takes to win a championship. And Tristan saying, I know what it takes to win a championship is fully based on LeBron-centric logic. And and these teams can't deal with that. They cannot, they're not equipped to deal with that because there's just no megastar on this team to be like, I don't care what drama there is. I'm going to rise above it because I can't. Back to wrap up today's show in just a minute. First, got to tell you about today's sponsors. Bilt Bar is the best tasting protein bar on the market. Take my word for it. It's delicious. It tastes like a candy bar, but it is healthy. Every one of these Bilt Bars has 17 to 18 grams of protein, only about 130 to 180 calories, four to five grams of sugar, four or five net carbs. And you got flavors like raspberry mint brownie, German chocolate cookies and cream. How can those delicious flavors be healthy for you? I don't know how they do it, but they do. If you've got a nut allergy, no problem. If you are on the keto diet, these work. You can go check them out. They're the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team, which is pretty cool. Go to Built.com and check it out. They've got a bunch of different products that are constantly dropping. They've got Built Puffs. They've got the Built Balls. Different things for different people. They're gluten-free options. So go to Built.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15 every time you go. Doesn't matter if you buy one box. Doesn't matter if you buy. Doesn't matter if you buy the assorted box and try something and then figure out which flavor you want to buy. Just use that promo code LOCK15 every time you go to Built.com for 15% off. Football is officially back. They're back on the field, pro and college, and Bet Online is your number one spot to bet on it all. So go check it out. Updated odds, props, and contests, including online's biggest half million dollar. NFL Mega Contest and the world's largest $200,000 NFL Survivor Contest open right now 
at Bet Online. Head on over to the website, use your laptop, use your mobile device, and you're going to get a 100% welcome bonus with the promo code Locked On. Create your profile, set it all up, use the promo code Locked On. You make your first deposit, whatever it is, they match it with their 100% welcome bonus. So you're winning right away. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on your favorite sports and your favorite Vegas casino games. So don't wait. Take advantage of all the great offers going on right now at Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Please gamble responsibly. Be sure to follow our social channels at LO Celtics on Twitter and at Locked On Celtics on Instagram. I'll give you that. You're, you're absolutely right. But what does it say about the young players on this team when Kyrie comes back, right? And they're all dapping him. Love is that still a thing that the youngsters say? They're all loving him up, and like you know, saying nothing but praise for him. And then when that report this year came out about Tristan Thompson being uh, being problematic and not following the protocols and always going out, and then I think it was Jalen and Kemba who were like tweeting out the blue, the no cap. Uh, or whatever it is, basically saying it's lies. Well, if they're not recognizing the problem with Thompson and or Kyrie's leadership and logic, what does that say about them as future leaders? Should we be worried? Well, I I think they can like the person. I think they can still like the person and not agree with the – leadership, right? Just because they stood up for Tristan Thompson, you know, doesn't mean that, I don't know. I don't know why I I really don't, but like, you know, like being in the locker room with these guys and, and kind of, you know, you're still, you're still going to war with them and they're still nice guys, personable guys. Like I, I liked talking to Tristan Thompson. I just think he's not good anymore. And I just don't agree with what he said. Uh, when it comes to that. Uh, and, and like I said about Kyrie, I think Kyrie's a fascinating person. I don't think when we're talking about Kyrie, like he's a bad human being. There's no, none of this has anything to say about his, him as a human being and him as a, you know, when his guard is down and he's not talking to the media. Like I understand, like I never expected uh, Kyrie to know me, like me or anything like that. Like I, I don't, I don't care if players, lump me in like I'd prefer they didn't but whatever they're, they're gonna have their attitudes about it fine I'm gonna do my job you guys do your job I don't I really don't get into that stuff when their guard is down and they can actually be like normal people around other other basketball players we don't know how they are like that that's why these guys are are so um they 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 like seeing each other because they're probably just nice, nice dudes that are fun to be around and generally fun to play basketball with. The other stuff is, you know, well, these right. guys have to lead on their own. You're right in that, it, you know, you also talk about it was Kyrie stomping on the logo after that 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 playoff game and how, you know, none of the Celtics were pissed off about it. But it all comes back to, you know, we are just – I don't know. It's a generational thing where we kind of view it as basketball in the eighties, where we just thought like, you you know, you only loved your teammates and you hated everybody else. Now 
Right. It's the you know everyone says it's the AAU culture. These guys have played together as teenagers, and they go off to college and they play on different teams as pros. Doesn't mean they're not still going to be friends, and they're all friendly. So it, it's just a different dynamic, right? I mean, I think that's I'm, I'm answering my own question, but but it's just getting used to that sort of hey, we can be close buddies, but it doesn't you know I don't like you said I don't agree with how you lead a basketball team. Hey, um, in the late 80s, the uh, Pistons played the Lakers in the finals two years in a row. Magic and Isaiah were kissing each other before the tip-off. That's right. true. So, right. So it's, yeah, it has true. happened, uh, even back in the day. But uh, yeah, Kyrie, uh, uh, in it's good that he's gone. And he must hold some kind of grudge i got specs he's got some sort of a beef still with that whole stepping on the logo thing that wasn't just a chance movement of his feet <laughs> no, he did it. he did it and a lot of the old school guys like cedric maxwell didn't like it and you know so that there is to your point there is a difference between the generations yeah and so yeah Right. It's, it, it, it does, it does, because I look at the reaction to, you know, on Twitter and people are like, oh, he stepped, he stepped on a cartoon leprechaun. Like, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, right. That's a whole other thing. I, I get it. I get both sides of that, actually. I, I understand what people are saying, but I do understand, like, he, he did that, uh, he did that on purpose. Uh, let's let's move on here to the we've done the Kyrie Irving era, and Brad Stevens' reputation takes a big hit. Let's move on to the Kemba Walker era here, and the the last two seasons here for Brad. And this past season was was so uh, I don't know. Such an aberration. I, I kind of want to lump these two seasons in because now this is the COVID. You know, we've got Kemba coming in, Kemba getting hurt, Kemba with the knee, COVID coming in, postponing the season, finishing in a bubble, playing this past season on a ridiculous schedule, and and, and Brad Stevens 100% sitting here saying, all right, after these past two seasons, I, I, I've had enough. Like, I, I can't do this. I can't be in bubbles. I can't travel without my family. Uh, I, I, and I think having a, a, like this realization that I, I just can't relate to these guys on the right level anymore to, to, to be 100% effective. So when the, when the Danny Ainge job opens up and they say to Brad, hey, you interested, he's like, you know what? I kind of am. So these past two seasons, I think, were very reflective of his how things have devolved for Stevens. He comes off of the Kyrie season, seasons, just beaten to hell. You get Kemba Walker in there, who's a breath of fresh air, but then the injury happens, the COVID happens, everything go, goes downhill. Um, we'll start with, with you, Mike. This, the past two seasons, watching Brad, I, I think the – it's still the same Brad, but circumstances have changed to a point where now in retrospect, 
you can, I can see how things were starting to wear him down. Yeah. Um, you know, the whole two years, there's been so much that has been out of his control. Uh, not just um, the bubble and the schedule and all that, but um, like injuries. Um, you know, this past season, they weren't called the hospital Celtics anymore, but they uh, they didn't never had even one game where they had all their players, not one game. And so, you know, what is Brad supposed to do about that? Not, I don't know what he could do. So right. Um, right. there's nothing he could do. And uh, the year before that, uh, with the bubble, I mean, anything could have happened, but uh, they ran into a hot Miami team. Frankly, uh, Spolster did a little better coaching job than Brad did. And it's too bad because the Celtics really, if they had gotten by Miami, they could have beaten the Lakers. I don't say not. Um, this past year, uh, at least we had the emergence of Tatum and Brown uh, you know, as a legitimate duo. They averaged together a little more than 50 points. Um, and everyone that you hear uh, with an opinion says that Tatum is going to take even another leap, and he could be a top 10 player in the league. And if he is, then the Celtics are going to have a pretty good chance. All right, one more episode left, and that's going to be on Friday, the final episode of our deep dive into the Brad Stevens era, the COVID era, I suppose, the two seasons that were cut short by COVID and what kind of drove Brad Stevens away from coaching here. So that's going to be the final episode Make sure you're subscribed to get that and on YouTube as well. And tell your friends that they should be listening to and watching the Lockdown Celtics podcast here on the Lockdown Podcast Network.